the, the Lord says, I'll restore it. Pam and Elbert, the Lord says, I'll restore the years that the locust, the caterpillar, and the pommel worm has cut and eaten up. And that he has great plans, wonderful things for you. Don't worry about it. Hallelujah. I'll restore. Restore, restore means all that, whatever the enemy did, it's just poured back in more than you can even imagine. Praise God. Hallelujah. We had only been in Colorado Springs about three months, and I went downtown to get a suit. And in those days, uh, it was slim, as they would say, slim pickings. I mean, we didn't have a pot or a window. And the truth is that I needed a suit. And so we went down to this Richmond suit store. And I walked in there, and he had some suits on sale. I picked out a gray suit with kind of a tweed, yellow and orange in it, and this beautiful wool suit. But I didn't have any money, and I told him, I said, do you have a layaway plan? Where you See, in those days, you could put something on layaway, come in and put a few dollars on it, come in and put a few more dollars on it, and then when you got it paid off, you, you could get it, take it with you. He said, of course. I said, well, I like this suit, and I tried it on, and I said, well, put it on layaway. I said, I just uh, got here about three months ago, and we're pastoring a church right up here. It's an old Presbyterian church right across from the uh, high school on the Boulder and Weber. It's a big old church and balconies and mezzanines, and it was built back in the 1800s. And I was telling him about the church, and he said, you're a pastor. I said, yes, sir. He said, you know, I've got, can I confess something to you? And I said, oh, boy, what's this going to be? He said, I'm an alcoholic. He said, every day, about 2 or 3 o'clock, I have to have a drink. Or I, go, I shake, and I can't function. He said, I said, do you want me to pray for you? And he said, sure. I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe I'd go home or go back to the church. I said, well, raise your hands and close your eyes. He raised his hands, and I'm telling you, this is what, exactly what happened. When he closed his hands, I just barely touched him, and the power of God, bam, just knocked him flat. He didn't crumple. He went, bam flat out on the floor. And I said, wow. And I looked around to see if anybody else was in there. And this is the truth. I got out of there. Two weeks later, I went back in to pay on that suit. He said, you won't believe it. But maybe you will. He said, I haven't had a desire to drink. I haven't had a craving, nothing. He said, I have been totally, totally free since then. That was amazing. I went back in after I got the suit and ended up painted off. I went back in, and there was another man in there. And I said, uh, where's the other guy? He said, you know what? He became a missionary. And I don't know where he went. All I know is he would bring clothes by the church and leave the clothes off at the church. I don't know where he went. But that was a precursor to what God was going to do, that his presence would be there to heal and deliver and work miracles. And I tell you today, I sense that here. This church is positioned and it's poised for something beyond your imagination. I see this place packed out. I see this parking lot in the vision packed with cars. And there's not room enough to hold what God's doing. You'll have to have screens in other parts of the building. Something's got to happen. But we're in a place where God can do it. it. Listen, it's not who you are. It's not what you're doing. It is that God is doing something. You look at, we look at ourselves, and we measure ourselves, which Paul, the apostle, says is not wise. So it is that God is doing something. I had a dream here 
about a week ago, and the Bible was in that dream. And these pages were flittering like this. The wind was blowing off. And out of that Bible came the American flag, just right up out of it. And I knew then that America will have the victory and that God is going to confirm his word in this country. We don't care. I'm not worried about North Korea. I ain't worried about China. Amen. All I know is that this flu came out of China. Chinese virus. Amen. And if you can't beat us one way, listen, they don't need to get into a war with us. No, no, sir. Not good. We, we are far superior. Don't you? Listen, God is in this place. And he's going to help us through it. Can you say amen? So don't look at the empty seats. Faith and reason can very, uh, rarely be reconciled. Know what God is doing. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Praise God. In the word of God, I'd like to minister for a few minutes here on destiny. I knew I would preach on destiny. Thank you, Mario. Where you put it? preaching on destiny what a beautiful name destiny what a beautiful girl destiny I knew her and their family and they've been like family to us for years back and to be a part of their family and for them to be a part of our family is serious serious blessing we really appreciate the fact that that over the years is just amazing how that's worked together and here we are praise God I appreciate you pastor Thank God for you and your wife and family and destiny. I'm preaching on destiny, not at destiny, on destiny, the plan of God, the plan of God. If you have your Bible and you'd like to follow along for a bit here in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who reside as aliens, scattered. This is where they are. They're scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. These are tremendous words. Fantastic promises. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also in all his house. Notice with me, first of all, something that's very, very important, and that is our lives originate in the plan of God. Mordecai in the Old Testament in Ruth said something, in Esther rather, he said something to this young lady. She, he said, for such a time as this, you have come to the kingdom. 
You've come to the kingdom. Isn't that in the book of Esther? Is anybody home today? I know the lights are on. I'm knocking. Is anybody home? He said to who? Esther. You have come from where you were. Your life originated in the plan of God. What year you were born? What year were you born, uh, Paul? What you think about it, tell him what year were you born? Seventy four. I was born forty six. You was born in nineteen oh four. No. <laughs> Wherever you were, you were born, he says to her, For such a time as this, you've come to the kingdom. You you have come to where you are right now because of God's plan. And when you catch this, it works a miracle in your soul. There's something beyond anything that I can even explain to you except uh, that you're here today and even though you may feel like you're undone, you're floating, you're saying, where's God in all of this and how's this all going to work out? I want you to know this did not catch God by surprise. That God has a superior plan. He has a superior strategy. And we are where we are in the design and the symphony of God and his will. It's an amazing thing. Peter is writing to these Gentile believers, and they have been scattered. They've been disenfranchised. It's like they've lost their moral compass in a sense. They don't even know what's going on, and how's this all going to work out, and what's going to happen next. He writes to them, and he says to them in 1 Peter 2 and 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people. He says you were aliens. You were scattered. It, you had no purpose. It, you're wondering how is God ever going to do anything with me and use me? And he says you are now a people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received Mercy. It's an amazing thing. He's writing to these people and he's saying you are chosen in the foreknowledge of God. It's powerful. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from eternity. And then the old prophet, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he says these words concerning himself, and he says, as he writes this, he says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. There are no accidents in God. Before, he said, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. So here we are today. We've, our lives have originated in God. And we're here today all because God has put us where we are. There's, there's no accidents. It is a divine symphony. And God himself has orchestrated these events. It's amazing. And I see the hand of God in all of these things. There, there's what's called the dysphoria or the dispersion in those days. And it means deliberately scattered 
in God's plan. If things have been deliberately scattered as a result of this virus everywhere, everything, sports, business, church, everything. It's an amazing thing where people are scattered everywhere, everywhere, overseas, in other countries. There are people that are going through much of what we're like. In the Bible, in the book of Acts, the church is happy to just fellowship and worship and be together. They've got a move of God in Israel. And suddenly there's a young man who's a deacon in the church that has fire. And he's preaching, and as he's preaching away, the scripture says that they began to scream at him and yell and gnash upon him with their teeth. They were so outraged. This man, Stephen, the Bible says, was, was martyred on that day while Saul, who was a blasphemer and a murderer, and hated the church, is standing there watching. And as he's watching this young man speak, he says, I see Jesus. Stephen says, he's standing at the Father's right hand. And as he's preaching, something pierced the heart of this great man Saul. His death was something that was so unusual, it was an orchestrated event. You say, why would that happen to such a good man? It was to scatter a church that had not scattered itself in evangelism. They were content to just go to church. They were content just to be with their own kind. And suddenly, something has turned in that land, and there is an urgency in the work of evangelism. Something is happening. Jesus said, say not four months, and then comes the harvest. The fields are already, they're white already. I have these muffins at the church that are individually wrapped. I take those muffins and some tracks and go out and talk to people. Would you like a muffin? And I, lots of people take them. Would you like something to eat? Are you hungry? Would you like something? And over and over. I led five people to the Lord last week, three the week before. By just telling them about Jesus, would you like to pray? Yes, I'd like to pray. Jesus said, don't wait until there's a great crusade. He said, I've scattered these people on purpose. And now he says, it's ready for harvest. If we'll be willing, he is going to move. Hallelujah. And so there's a plan. God's plan Cannot wait for us to get our act together and move in our convenience. History and lives are in the balance now in the world. I don't know when we'll be able to go overseas again. Only that's, that's something that God's going to have to work out. But I do know this much. We are eternity's exiles and here for God's strategic purpose. This thing hit. This virus hit. All the churches, mega churches, small churches, businesses. It's an amazing thing what has happened. I never in my life have ever seen anything like this. And I'm under 100 years old. I'm telling you that never have I seen anything like this. I never heard the word pandemic before. I heard, heard our president say pandemic. And then all of a sudden things have just changed. It's an amazing thing. You say, where's God in it? I'll tell you, he's right in the middle of it. This, listen, is a reckoning for the world. You guys think you're hot stuff? Let me tell you what happened to me when I was in high school. I went to school in Tennessee where they did a lot of fist fighting. And I, we sat around this old coal stove in the back of this grocery store and drink RC colas and pour peanuts in there, smoke cigarettes, and talk tough. And one day, one day my good friend Harry Hutchison I don't know if any of you know Harry Hutchison. Uh, he had heard that Jimmy McCullough, my other buddy, wanted to fight. So they said, well, let's just go out behind this store and see what you got. 
So they went out behind the store. I went out with them. Jimmy was a, was a short, stocky guy, but he was fast as lightning. And, I mean, he knocked Harry flat. And he said to Harry, you want some more? He said, yeah. He got up. He knocked him down again. He said, you want some more? He said, no. I think that God is saying to the world, you want some more? You want another wave? You bad stuff? You, you folks, you, all you world, you're so full of yourself, you think you, nothing enough. You want some more? I'll send another wave to you. You say, what's the answer? Repent. Jesus said in John 15, 19, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. We are providentially sown seed here for God's purpose. Just like Jesus was sown in that particular time in history when it was so dark in Israel that he came to his own and they received him not where there was paganism and witchcraft and all kinds of horrors going on in the world. And here steps Jesus on the scene, casting out demons, healing the sick, preaching the kingdom of God, working his works. And here we are today. God's orchestration has gone into place of the events of human history. And right now, God has put us where we are for this time. It is a divine investment for God to do wonders and miracles. There's a hunger now. People are wanting to come to church. They were, when we opened the service, they came in there so happy. They wanted. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Something happens when we're gathered together. Something happens when more people are needy and want a miracle from God. I have seen amazing things when there are more that are sick and the more needs there are. It's a, there's a great anointing that flows through. The last place I preached was in Managua, Nicaragua. And preached on healing and praying for people and praying for the sick. And there was a grandmother that was in the back of the building. It's a big church. Hosanna is the name of it, probably five, 6,000 people. And she's in the back there listening on a speaker, hearing, and the word of God began to come into her. Her arm was atrophied. She had it in a sling. It had been atrophied for years. And she's trying to tend this baby on a changing table. And as she's working with that baby, she's listening at the same time. People are being healed and God's moving. And suddenly that baby flipped and started to fall off that changing table. In an instant, that atrophied arm shot out and caught that baby. And she was healed. How was that happening? The presence of the Lord was there to heal them. Just like in the book of Acts, it says the presence of Peter. Just his shadow. They said, I can hear them saying, which street's he on today? Where's he coming from today? Where's he going today? What's happening? And the people would rush to that street and wait. And when his shadow came through, there they were. There was the presence of God. And there was a human experience. They were healed by the power of God. Her arm was, that's just one of the other miracles, but her arm was instantly healed. I can tell you today, we are eternity's exiles. Yes, we have been disenfranchised. Yes, we have been scattered. Yes, we understand what it is to be let down and, and forsaken and rejected. We've experienced those things. But we are indeed in God's time for such a time. We are God's people at this time to do His work. Can you say amen?
God is in charge. God is in charge of your life, not man. The Bible says when Elijah spoke to Elisha, he said to Elisha, what have I to do with you? God called you, not me. God has called us. Can you say amen? 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or you do not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Now this destiny, how is it, the will of God, how is it released? What releases it? Well, it's in the scripture that we just read. It's called sanctification. Sanctification, that's a 50 cent word. But it's simply to separate, to set apart from the world and consecrate unto God. He says you're not your own. You belong to God. You've been bought with a price. So he says here that it is to sanctify something to declare that it belongs to God. Wow. Another Usage is to cleanse, as cleansing of temple vessels which have been defiled. In the Old Testament, those vessels had been set apart, consecrated for worship. But now, another king has come in, and he doesn't respect that. He doesn't. It's, his name is Ahaz. We have an Ahaz spirit in this country. You say, what is an Ahaz spirit? Well, it says Ahaz was 20 years old. When he became king. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not know what he did not do. What was right in the sight of the Lord his God. As his father David had done. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Now he's walking in the ways of the world. You know what's happened to the world? You know what's happening? It's the fish is in the water. But the water's in the fish. He's following along. That's what's been happening to these presidents for the last few years. Got so much corruption. No wonder we're draining the swamp and firing people left and right. Probably need to be a whole bunch more fired and kicked out of there. Amen. I'll just amen myself. And, and even made his son pass through the fire according to the abominations of the, of the nations whom the Lord had driven out from before the sons of Israel. He, sank, he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. He was involved in witchcraft. There's a lot of witchcraft in America. And, he, and on the hills and under every green tree. We're dealing with an Ahaz spirit of the age. That which casts aside the holy things of God. And God says this is a reckoning. You want some more? Second Chronicles 29.18 says. Then they went to the king Hezekiah and they said. We've cleansed the whole house of the Lord. The altar burnt offerings and all the utensils. And the table is showbread with all of its utensils. Moreover, he says, all the utensils which King Ahaz had discarded during his reign in his unfaithfulness. In his unfaithfulness. You know, there's, there's a town south of us called Pueblo. It, it's it, even a shadow of what it used to be. You know why? Because President Bush sent all the steel to China. And I had a man tell me where I got my watch, got batteries for my watches and stuff. And he said, Bush sold all, sent to China, sent all the steel to China. Thank you. 
Let me tell you something. All of them need to get saved. Republicans, amen, uh, Democrats, Democrats, and, and the whole bunch, the liberals, need to get right with God. Call a Holy Ghost prayer meeting. Put this nation on a fast. Challenge people to repent and call on the Lord and be saved. Amen. They said, we have prepared and consecrated, and behold, they are all, he said, they are before the altar of the Lord. These vessels in the Old Testament had been set apart for the worship of the Lord. They, they could be used for no other purpose. They were valuable. They were clean and, and consecrated. And it says, and when they had defiled, they had been defiled, they had to be sanctified or cleansed for the fulfillment of their creation. God created you. He created me. And we have to be sanctified and we have to be cleansed for the purpose of our creation. There used to be an evangelist that traveled through. I had him in our church. And he had a word of knowledge. He'd call people out and tell them uh, illnesses and conditions and, and pray for them. And it was amazing. You know, they'd get healed. But he told me that he saw a vision of a glass. He called it a Texas tumbler. And it was a big glass. had rocks in it. And he said a hand would go into that glass and take a rock out. And water started coming up. And then another. And then another. And another. And he said the water kept coming up. He said the more we got these things that were not pleasing to God out of our life, the more anointing would begin to flow. It's an amazing thing. You see, David had to fight a bear and a lion before he went to Goliath. There's a bear. There's a lion. There's a temptation. There's a weakness. There's something that calls and, and preys upon us. And that thing has to be dealt with at the cross and the blood of Jesus. Amen. And so it says in Leviticus 20 verse 7, You shall consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. He is saying here that, he says, if you will keep my practice and my statutes, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Jesus is coming back, folks. Get ready. <laughs> sanctify and consecrate yourselves, he says, and watch this, and I will sanctify you. There's a difference between having potential and realizing that potential. You can have potential. That's the story of the, of the parable and the talents. He gave one man five. Gave another man two. He gave another one one because that's all he could trust him with. But even with the one, the scripture says he went and buried it and did not realize its potential. You can have potential. You can have personality. You can have ability. You can be talented. You can be good looking. I, I mean, you can have all the things that go with the trappings of success and still not reach your potential if you're not willing to be sanctified. I know that sounds legalistic. It's not. It's simply those things that you and I know that are wrong. This man, out of bitterness and self-pity, did not use that one talent. He had use of only one because that's all he could be trusted with. And he didn't even use that. He's judged as an unprofitable servant. He's appointed his portion with the hypocrites and cast into outer darkness. How many have missed God? Oh my. Look at Gehazi, how he missed God. First you got Elijah. Then you got Elisha. Then you got Gehazi. 
And there will be people, he missed it, that will weep buckets of tears because of what they could have done for God. Had they just dealt with their own personal sin, personal holiness, and said, God, I don't need this, I'm not going to live with this anymore. It's so true, can you say amen? Teddy Roosevelt said, I am just an average man, but I work twice as hard as other men at being the best I can. You see, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And I can tell you something, you have to get strong with yourself and say, I, in Jesus' name, I'm going to fix this. And God, I believe, begins to release destiny out of that. Amen. When I was a boy, I'll just mention this, I went, my dad would take me to these big crusades. He took me to one place, it was in a high school auditorium where it was just packed with people. And there was a little man there, a little bald man, and his son brought him out. He let him out. And I remember sitting up in that balcony watching. I must have been about 10. He brought him out. And then the boy walked back and he left the preacher there. He said, now if you're wondering, that was Billy Paul. My name is William Brennan. And I'll be in a trance after a while. And I just want you to know that Billy Paul will come out to get me. So you know who he is. You could hear a pin drop as he began to minister. The word of knowledge began to work. And he called a, a woman out. He said, you, and she stood up. He said, you've got cancer. You've been to this doctor. He named the doctor. He said, you've only got a few months to live. But today, you're healed. And she was instantly, it was healed. But what happened there was another woman in a different part of that co crowd that was making fun of it. And he said, now the demons that were in this woman just went out of her and they went in this woman over here. How many know? I ain't playing with the things of God. He's real. There's a last thought I want to give you, and that is the undergirding confidence that we have. Here it is. 1 Peter chapter 1. Here it is. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Now, this little preacher that I was just telling you about, when he was a little boy, he would go out into the woods. They lived in Kentucky in a log cabin. They were a poor family. He would go out into the woods and he'd hunt. He was just a young man. And suddenly there was a wind that blew through a tree. And that wind blew like a funnel through the tree and a voice came out of that tree and said, never smoke or drink or defile your body in any way for someday I have a work for you to do. It scared him so bad. They said he was a nervous boy all the time anyway. Said it scared him so bad he went running home. Told his mother and father. They thought, well, he's just, he's just nervous. But later on, when he stepped on the scene, he rocked the world with miracles and signs. You can Google it. With miracles of unbelievable. 
I can tell you today that God's eyes are looking across the world for those whose hearts are turned toward him. He's not asking for super spiritual legalism. He's not talking about all that. He's talking about, a, let me tell you, holiness is an attitude of the heart. Amen. This is how long your hair is or how short it is, whether you've got lipstick on. Amen. Of course, it doesn't mean good to put lipstick on to all those masks out there, does it? Forget the lipstick, right? <laughs> but the truth is, this is an undergirding confidence. The gospel is a gospel of hope. It's a gospel of peace. And First Peter, in that epistle, it's written by a man who had experienced the fulfillment of hope in the Lord. He denied the Lord. He cussed. I don't know him. But suddenly, Jesus said, that rooster will, have to, will crow three times and you'll deny me. That's the first time I know of that God used a rooster to preach. But that rooster preached a better sermon than most preachers today across his land. Amen. You know what? And suddenly, he wept before the Lord. God, I'm sorry. Judas ran from God. He ran from Jesus. Peter ran to him. And so there's a hope we have. Philippians 1, 6 says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Our hope is in the Lord. He's the anchor of our soul. He's the anchor of your faith. And that is so powerful. Hebrews 6.19 says, We hope we have as an anchor. This hope is an anchor of the soul. A hope both sure and steadfast. And one that, which enters within the veil. Our hope and our confidence today in the Lord not only anchors our soul, but it keeps us in the presence of the Lord. And that's a powerful thing. Isaiah said in Isaiah 49, it says, Those who hopefully wait for me will not be put to shame. You hear that? They will not be put to shame. See, it's not so much how you start, it's how you finish. And in that journey, God does wonderful things. And he changes us, and he works in us, and he moves in us. And as we're willing to listen and obey him, we're stepping right into our destiny. Amen. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you're the author and you're the finisher of our faith. And that, God, there's nothing by accident. We are eternity's exiles, scattered aliens. Sometimes we feel rejected. And we feel so undone and wondering where do we fit and what will be next. I assure, Lord, this people today that they have a hope and that they're walking right in step with you and you with them thank you today we thank you Lord for every person that's here we know that you're not finished you're just beginning to move in a powerful way this thing is ordained and orchestrated and God you're speaking and you're at work in the name of Jesus, while our heads are bowed, how many today would say, I really need Christ. I want his forgiveness. I'd like to know that I'm right with God. I want to leave here knowing that I'm saved. 
I want to know that. Just raise your hands up. Slip them up and put them back down. Raise them up high. Yes. God bless you. How many more? Raise your hands.